Makers of Sport Podcast, Episode 28, Halftime. Welcome to Makers of Sport Halftime, the 20-minute show on the off weeks of interviews where I discuss topics such as professionalism, entrepreneurship, and business to help you in your careers so that you can apply it to the sports industry. Today, we're going to be discussing the differences and benefits of setting up a professional business versus just freelancing and performing work under your, uh, per, under your personal name. As always, this talk is based on my experience as a designer. However, this general business knowledge is not specific to one service, uh, so it can be applied uh, to independent marketers, photographers, motion artists, etc. I'll preface this talk uh, by saying that I am not an accountant or an attorney, so you will definitely want to consult with one before moving forward with any of the advice that I give here. Some of these methods and structures that I talk about will affect your record keeping, tax procedures, and personal liabilities. This is not legal advice, but rather some things I've learned over my 10 years as an independent business owner or partner in a business. Also, because of the time allotted for this podcast, it's actually not long enough to go in depth. So similar to the pricing talk, from the last halftime, I'll be giving more of a bird's eye view on these business structures. For you international listeners, I'm discussing some legal stuff uh, and some business terms in the US. The same things we're talking about may apply to you. However, terminology, pricing, and taxing structures may be a little bit different. So definitely keep that in mind. In the U.S., there are basically five traditional business structures when it comes to setting up a business. We have sole proprietors, partnerships, limited liability companies, often seen abbreviated as LLCs, and finally corporations, which can be S corporations or C corporations. So to start, we'll talk sole proprietors. Basically, the minute you decide to take on work as a contractor or a freelancer, you immediately become a sole proprietor. It is the absolute most basic business that you can establish, and it takes little to no paperwork to begin. With this business structure, though, there is no separation between you and your business. You are the business, the sole owner of the business. Um, most freelancers who are unfamiliar with or sometimes possibly even afraid of, of business structures elect to become sole proprietors, uh, possibly just out of accident. Because like I said, if you take on work and get paid as a contractor, you are a sole proprietor. Occasionally, sole proprietors will file uh, what are called DBAs during tax season. And what this stands for is doing business as Uh, So they may perform business under some other name. I'll just take myself, for example, my name being Adam Martin. If I wanted to perform business under Studio Martin or Adam Martin Design, I would file a DBA. In the state of Kentucky, these are called assumed names. 
DBAs are common in franchise businesses such as chain restaurants. Uh, private owners may buy into a franchise like McDonald's under the corporation name Kentucky Fast Food Group LLC. And then basically what that business would do is uh, file a DBA as McDonald's. Now, there is a major risk with the sole proprietorship structure. And unless you're only taking on a couple of cheap freelance gigs per year from maybe close friends and family, then I highly recommend not using this as your business structure for one simple reason. Your personal assets are not distinguishable from your business assets. So basically what that means is that all risks, both financially and legally, assumed by your company also become your personal obligation. Now, I recommend spending the money and setting up one of the upcoming structures I'm getting ready to discuss. The risk is absolutely not worth it, in my opinion. Specifically related to the work, talking specifically to this niche and this audience in sports, the work is always on a pedestal and there is always the potential of a lawsuit in the business of creativity with things like copyright infringement, trademarks, accidental slander, etc. So the next business structure I will discuss are partnerships. Partnerships uh, sometimes are referred to as general partnerships can actually be performed as sole proprietors when business by more than one person is conducted under a common name. So in these general partnerships, there is no legal distinction between the collective assets in the business or the personal assets of the partners. Therefore, for obvious reasons mentioned earlier, this actually doubles your personal liability since there's no separation between you, your partner, and your business. So I would highly recommend not going this route. You may consider electing for an LLP in this case. You typically see a lot of professional service firms such as attorneys or accountants have their partnership structured as an LLP. And what that stands for is a limited liability partnership. This is when a group of people have gotten together, decided to start a business, and an ownership stake has been agreed to by the partners, which is documented via shares in the business. Sort of like stock shares, except in this case, the shares are made up and really have no monetary value, at least initially. They're solely for determining who owns which percentage of the business. Typically, in these cases, you'll have a document drafted that specifies who owns what percentage of the business, and sometimes that ownership can be financial and that you own a share of the profits of the business, but you may not actually have voting stock in the business, which means you have no say in voting with the partners on business matters and big discussions or decisions made in the business. Also, in regards to partnerships, you may occasionally hear the term joint venture. This is sort of like a partnership between two companies uh, for one particular project or a set of projects. It is not permanent. This arrangement avoids the long-term risk of partnerships, all while still allowing for expense and income sharing on particular projects. An example of this might be when two small creative agencies get together to pitch a larger client. So they would form what is called a joint venture, and then when the work for that client is over, the joint venture ceases to exist. Now, if you ever consider going into partnership with someone in business, I highly advise you to take a lot of time and think about the risk involved and the long-term effects this could have on your business. Partnerships are like marriages. You may be best friends, but you better make sure that you trust each other. 
And you better also make sure that you know how to disagree with one another and to reach a resolution together through compromise. Because I can tell you, the minute that you add money to the friendships equation, things get weird really quick. Also, keep in mind, all partnerships end, period. One of you will get burnt out and leave the business, or you will come to some disagreement on something and a resolution will not be able to be reached, so the business may end up being dissolved. Or worst case scenario, one of you will die. Even if the partnership lasts your entire life, we aren't eternal, so you will need to make sure that you have some kind of exit strategy discussed with your partner before moving forward in the beginning, even if that exit strategy has something to do with passing along the business to your family. These are going to be tough conversations, but they are a must. One way I advocate for trying out a partnership is to set up your own company, have your partner set up their company, and then file DBAs doing business as, just as we discussed earlier, under the same name, allowing you both to do business together, but, but not have the long-term attachment in regards to business assets or responsibilities. Sometimes you will see collaboratives where a group of freelancers get together to tackle a large project under one name. In these cases, you may decide that the person bringing on the client gets a finder's fee and the rest of the budget is split amongst the amount of freelance colleagues working. Either way, you want to determine all this stuff before taking on any work together. Anything left in the gray area can, if not clearly defined from the get-go, get malicious once people expect to be paid. So you always want to have these conversations and clearly designate who gets what in the beginning. Have those tough conversations early. Another company structure, which is probably the most common and the cheapest amongst U.S.-based businesses, is to set up an LLC or Limited Liability Corporation. Now, these are fairly easy to set up, although I recommend getting your accountant or lawyer to set one up for you. You can also use something like LegalZoom.com. I've never actually used LegalZoom, but I've heard good things about it, and I've had some friends use it. Uh, over my career, I've actually had five LLCs. One for my design business, which is still active. One for the tailgating app, which I mentioned in episode 25. Another for the t-shirt company, which I also mentioned on that episode. And both of those were actually partnership LLCs with other people and ownership was designated via percentages. Uh, I've also had an LLC for the time when I was with a web company in uh, 2013 in order to split design profits. And, and finally... I actually have an LLC for this podcast. Even though at the time it brings in no revenue, I still set up an LLC to own trademarks and, and things like that. So this LLC is actually owned by uh, my design business LLC. Uh, so it sort of operates as an umbrella company, which I'll get it into here in a little bit. If you are planning on being serious about your business, even if you have a full-time job, you will want to set up an LLC at the minimum. Now, this is my opinion. It protects you and your personal assets from the assets of the business. An example may be that you did some work for some big sports brand and unknowingly used an image by a photographer that was copyrighted. So that photographer goes after your client and then they go after and say your client is protected. So then they go after you. Problem is your business doesn't hardly own anything because many of the financial assets have been transferred out to your personal bank 
in order to pay home expenses. And because of this LLC, they can't actually touch those personal expenses. Another reason you may want to consider an LLC is it gives your clients peace of mind that they are dealing with a professional, someone that has taken the time to set up a legal business with their state and sort of kind of gives that they're in the long game here. Like we're in this for the long term not just kind of halfway doing business out of my mom's basement, uh, taking on a project here and there. This is, this is legit. This gives off the professional vibe that you, because you value having a professional practice recognized by your state, that you will approach your work with these clients professionally as well. In some cases on pitches and such, especially for universities, most of my experience comes from the college sports world, Certain rules are set in place for vendors, and they may not actually even accept companies that are not incorporated in some way. An example, Adam Martin Design LLC always looks better on contracts and proposals than just Adam Martin or just the made-up Adam Martin Design. So in my state in Kentucky, it costs me $175 a year to have an LLC. Uh, Now, that is not accounting for taxes that I pay on business, of course. This is just simply the fee for having an LLC. In other states, it varies. To me, $175 is totally worth the expense in order to guarantee that my personal assets, such as my cars, my house, and other belongings, are free from the liability of the business in case something goes wrong. Now, when you're an LLC or a sole proprietor, all companies you contract for are required to send you a 1099 at the beginning of the tax year. LLCs that are taxed as S corporations, which I'll discuss in a minute, are not required to be sent 1099s. So um, LLCs are typically taxed as sole proprietors and not double taxed like corporations, meaning your company is not taxed separately than your personal self. These companies can also be converted easily to be taxed as one of the other corporations at a later time if needed, if it makes sense according to your tax advisor. For example, my design business LLC is taxed as an S corporation because of my financial situation and recommendations from my accountant. LLCs are very adequate for beginning stages of business, as I mentioned, and if you decide to remain independent or freelance for good... Uh, then you can stay in LLC forever without having to actually worry about switching to something else because they are easy to maintain. Usually outside of paying your income taxes, LLCs require a yearly state fee and an annual report filing, which is very easy to do in most cases. And and when I say annual report, I'm not meaning the multi-page, heavily designed booklets that you see coming from large corporations, but usually it's just a simple form in this in this case. The last business structure I'm going to touch on is the INC, which is either an S corporation or a C corporation. Now, you would definitely want to consult with your accountant or tax planner on this one because both are taxed differently. And depending on your income, you don't want to be overtaxed before you reach a certain threshold of money coming in. So typically, you see large corporate entities registered as INCs and rarely freelancers unless they are bringing in a ton of revenue and maybe begin to bring on some partners. The C corporation is a standard corporation and the S corporation has elected uh, to have a special tax status from the IRS. So that's sort of like me mentioning that my LLC is being taxed as an S corporation from earlier. Now, both S NC corporations have shareholders, directors, and officers and are taxed as separate entities 
from one's personal tax filings. Each also has typically what is called articles of incorporation, which designate the ownerships and structure of the business. This is something you're going to want to get a lawyer typically to write up. Also, uh, both are required to follow some formalities when it comes to adopting bylaws, holding annual meetings, and issuing stock. So for my company, I'm actually required to have an annual meeting, even though it is it is uh, just me. So I may actually decide to have that meeting at Disney World uh, and take the family because I can actually write off my part of the trip for the annual meeting. To read directly from a LegalZoom.com article about the main differences between S-corporations and C-corporations, quote, C-corporations are subject to double taxation. That is one tax at the corporate level on the corporation's net income and another tax to the shareholders when the profits are distributed. And these are uh, typically called dividends. S-corporations have only one level of taxation. All of their income is allocated to the shareholders. However, C-corporations have greater tax planning flexibility and can shield shareholders from direct tax liability. In addition, S-corporations are subject to tax, or or, I'm sorry, S-corporations are subject to limitations, such as the number and type of shareholders they can have, end quote. This stuff is pretty tough to understand uh, just from what I'm discussing here audibly. And, and honestly, when I first got into this, uh, doing research about these things years ago, I remember just not even knowing where to start. So I highly recommend checking out some of the links that I'll leave in the show notes for you and then also getting some legal consultation before moving forward with any of these corporate entities. These are not things that you want to mess up. This is not the time to sort of halfway do something and and then have it not work out because we're talking about your taxes here and your long-term liabilities with your company. So to circle back around to the topic of freelancing, my recommendation is to always begin with an LLC. Even if you're employed full-time somewhere else, this will protect your personal assets and give off a professional vibe as you approach new business. The thing we are rarely taught growing up in school about starting a business is that they actually do benefit you from a tax perspective. If you're an employee, you're taxed first and you get what is left over to spend at income. That's your net income. If you are a business, you're taxed on what you have left over after you deduct your business expenses. So let's say we make $100,000 a year in revenue and I have around $60,000 in expenses from rent, software, books, continuing education, networking meals, all those sort of things that tend to be normal business expenses for our particular industry. We will be taxed on what is left over. So that's $40,000. Now, if $100,000 is your salary, you're taxed on that and you get what is left over. If you're fairly entrepreneurial like myself, and you have a plan to start many things over time, even if you don't happen to know what they are right now, you may elect for a business such as Adam Martin Ventures LLC and have that be what is called your umbrella company. So when new ideas arrive, you can set up LLCs to those ideas and have their taxes pass through to the top. So I gave an example earlier. My design business LLC is actually called Martin Design Studio LLC. Um, and it owns 100% of Makers of Sport LLC. So let's say that Makers of Sport LLC starts bringing in revenue, and which let's be clear here, 
It is not bringing in revenue right now. I make $0 off this podcast at the time because I've elected to not sell you advertising, which is the typical method of podcasting. Anyhow, let's say it brings in revenue. And then what can happen is my revenue from Makers of Sport LLC and my expenses can pass through to Martin Design Studio LLC. And then it can be taxed along with my design revenue to keep things from getting complicated and having to deal with taxes in multiple businesses and that type of thing. Same goes here if I start another business or even if Martin Design Studio LLC owns a small percentage of another business. The main thing on all this stuff is to be sure that you keep two bank accounts and keep them separate. Don't muddy expenses. If you go to the store to buy some personal items and say you also pick up some uh, paper or office supplies for your business, then you pay with two cards. It sounds inconvenient, but trust me, it's better to be inconvenient now than to deal with an audit later on having to discuss why you bought shampoo or dog food on a business card to the IRS. Now, as always, if you have any questions on this stuff, or it is a very complex topic, so if you have comments or questions, then please feel free to email me, info at makersofsport.com. Next week's episode will be Matt Powell. Matt is the Vice President and Sports Industry Analyst at NPD Group, which is a consumer market research group where Matt covers sneaker culture and business. He is also a frequent contributor to the Forbes Sneakernomics blog. As always, please like, rate, and write reviews of the show on iTunes. You can get there by going to makersofsport.com slash iTunes. I'll also accept ratings on Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever else you happen to be listening to this. Again, there are no advertisements here, no sponsorships that you have to have to hit the fast forward button on. This show is not brought to you by some product that I don't believe in. You aren't the product here. Take two minutes and leave me a review. Please make that happen. Lastly, follow me, ask me questions on Twitter, and like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash makers of sport. I'm at T. Adam Martin on Twitter and Dribble. The show is at Makers of Sport. Until next time, have a good week.